You're now listening to the Co-op Podcast on thecoalition.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 262 of the Co-op Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Billy Jr., and today I'm joined by Gary A. Swaby. How's it going, Gary? It's going good, thanks. Uh, we had a little thunderstorm here, and the temperature's been getting a lot colder, so I guess, you know, the, the end of the summer is, is coming slowly, but I'm doing good at the moment, and um, I'm excited because, you know, there's, there's starting to be a lot more games that I'm interested in that are, that are popping up. So, yeah, I'm doing good. How are you, Rich? Sounds good. Uh, glad to hear you're doing good. Uh, I'm doing pretty good as well. Uh, yeah, the summer is also starting to wind down here as well, and it's getting a little bit cooler, so I'm a big fan of that because way too hot with the humidity and stuff over here in Georgia, so... Yeah, definitely looking forward to that. Uh, we're also joined by Mr. Jake James Google. How's it going, Mr. Google? I'm doing good, Rich. I'm doing good, Gary. Uh, I've just been busy, very, very busy overall. I've been posting up a lot of new reviews for us on the website now that everybody can check out when they get the chance. There's a lot of new games that have been dropping, and we've been trying to review them all. So I've been trying to hit them all out as much as I can, you know, over here. But other than that, I'm doing good. It's good. Yes, absolutely. We definitely... Definitely going to have you talk and tell us a little bit more about uh, Yakuza Ko- Kawami 2. Um, we'll get into that. So, uh, yes, uh, as everybody knows, Gamescom happened this week. So there was some news that happened prior to Gamescom, during Gamescom, and then there's still some news trickling out now. So we'll get into all those stories. But before we do that, I want to let you all know what we have been playing. So I'm going to actually go to you first, Mr. Lugo. Let us know what you've been playing. So I've been playing a lot. There's a lot of different games I've been playing over the last, like, I want to say a couple of weeks, you know, for various different reasons. There's a lot of games that have been dropping on different platforms and have been all different types of genres. The big one recently within the last day or so, because the embargo just lifted for it, and it's actually not out yet here in the States. It's actually coming, I believe it's next week or the week after, uh, is Yakuza Kiwami 2. You guys know if you've been following the Coalition for quite some time, I've reviewed a number of the Yakuza games uh, from Sega that I've been able to talk about. I've been able to see them at events uh when we went to e3 back in june and i believe i also saw it at pax east uh i saw yakuza kwame too and i got to play it there before you know now but now that the game's coming out very soon we got to review it i got i gave it an 82 out of 100 i thought that was a fair score uh the yakuza games and most of the especially the more recent yakuza games uh have you know they have their little quirks here and there they have a great sense of humor they don't take themselves too seriously but they could be very overly dramatic uh, but what's interesting about this particular game, Yakuza Kiwami 2, is a remake of Yakuza 2 from the PlayStation 2. Much like Yakuza Kiwami, the original game uh, that was a remake of Yakuza 1, this takes the similar approach where it pretty much gives you the same type of story, albeit with a fresh coat of paint. It kind of revitalizes a lot of the stuff that that game first established, but it presented, presents it in a better way, has a better soundtrack, or at least a much more better remix soundtrack. Uh, the visuals are off the chain. It uses the Dragon Engine from Yakuza Yakuza 6. Now, if you guys ever got a chance to check out my review of Yakuza 6, I praised the visuals in that game, even though there were some other things that I wasn't really kind of too fond of. 
my crits criticized it in a few different instances but it's the same thing with this one only i feel that because of the content and the story and some of the things that you're doing in yakuza 2 uh this one kind of stands out a little bit much more so than yakuza 6 uh the biggest thing being obviously some of the stuff during the climax which is not so much of a spoiler but like you get to punch a tiger you get into this fight with two tigers in like this big boss fight area and you just there's a lot of ridiculous things that happen and there's a lot of other stuff that happens here and there throughout the entirety of the game but overall it just has a fun sense of humor it doesn't take itself too seriously it gets really over the top while still having that same type of like j-drama or k-drama uh what is it soap opera feel to it like the yakuza series has always done so definitely check it out if you're a fan of the series if you never played yakuza 2 back on the playstation 2 uh this is the best way to play it uh it also gives a little bit of a recap from the first game and kind of has little hints and seeds that are kind of scattered throughout that lead into some of the events of later games, which I'm pretty sure we're going to get a Yakuza Kiwami 3 because Sega has been on that fix of remastering the entire series. So I'm pretty sure we're going to get the next game in the series, you know, Yakuza 3, get the same type of treatment. Uh, besides I that... Have a question about that. Um, okay, yeah, sure. Because, uh, you know, I, I have a Yakuza 0 and I, I, I was playing through that on PS4, but... Um, the thing is, like, because it doesn't, like, I used to love playing games in, like, you know, Japanese and, and English subtitles and stuff. But um, now nowadays it's a lot harder because, like, my, my uh, it's harder to, like, concentrate because there's so much going on around me and I have so many other things going on. So it's like, it's like I have to be in the mood to actually play a game like that, you know, with, with reading the subtitles and everything. Um, and not understanding what they're saying and stuff like that. But does this game have the uh, English dub as well, or or is it all subtitle? No, it's all subtitle. The Yakuza games are never dubbed. That That's the one thing that I've always noticed about all the Yakuza games I've reviewed here on the site. They're never dubbed. They never have English voice acting. I think part of that is maybe to maintain that authenticity, you know, with storytelling and just the way the characters present themselves and their mannerisms and the way that they kind of sound. Because, again, it's so overly dramatic. It has that J-drama type of feel to it. If you watch any sort of J-drama, you know, that's like a, on primetime television from Japan that comes here that goes on like Netflix or Crunchyroll or something, you can see the exact same type of like handling with the storytelling in yakuza but in this case you know with some of the games they just get really over the top like every little thing that you can see in this game even down to some of the mini games gets like this dramatic treatment that makes it feel important even though it's really insignificant in the context of everything it might be really stupid but it just really commits to that you know taking it to an extreme and it, sometimes it's fun sometimes it's a little too much but again it's still authentic at the end of the day so uh in that regard I would say that, again, you still need to be kind of in the mood to play these games, like all the different Yakuza games, especially the more modern ones, the more recent ones, since Yakuza 5, Yakuza 0, Yakuza 6, Kiwami 1, a lot of those different games. You have to have time devoted to them to play through them because they're, they're, they are pretty long games and there's a lot to do in them. But also, I think just to kind of keep up with some of the events of the series, because even though they get into this habit of like recapping a lot of what's come before, there is still a lot that goes down and there's still a lot to keep track of as you play each subsequent game but it's still fun to go through them all hopefully that answers your question gary yeah i mean yeah someday i'll, I'll get to them all it's just like yeah like you said i gotta be in the mood for it you know because i don't want to get distracted and stuff but yeah sounds cool
Yeah, so besides that, and I know I'm going a little bit long because it's just I've been playing a lot of games for review. Uh, right now, also, we have a review of Cosmic Star Heroin finally on the website now. One of the reasons why we got that now is for two reasons. Uh, one, we never reviewed the original game back when it first came out on PlayStation 4 and PlayStation Vita during its original release. And even though I've talked about it a few times on the co-op and a few other places, a few other shows, we never had a review for it. So not too long ago, it just came out on Nintendo Switch, and I reached out to the guys over there uh, at Zaboid Games, and they were like, yeah, sure, you know, you guys can definitely review the game for us. Uh, they sent me the PlayStation 4 version, which is now, it's been patched and updated to match up with what they're releasing on uh, the Nintendo Switch, or what they released on Nintendo Switch. So the game is uniform on all platforms. But uh, if you love RPGs, especially JRPGs, or classic JRPGs, I should say, you know, like Fantasy Star, Final Fantasy, Chrono Trigger, and the like, you're definitely going to get a kick out of what uh, Cosmic Star Heroin has to offer. There's a lot of fun, interesting moments in there, even though I did have a few criticisms about it it's still a fun game with an interesting soundtrack and an interesting aesthetic you know a visual style that borrows a lot from like the sega cd or sega saturn type of uh was it visuals especially with the way that the cutscenes play out i think that was pretty cool and then finally the other review that we have up now is death's gambit death's gambit the best way i could describe it it's from adult swim games it's an unapologetic interpretation of what dark souls would be in 2d like that's the best way to put it like everything right down to the menus it feels like you know if you just didn't know anything about it you didn't know the name you would swear to god that this was from software's take on the 2d genre and it's just it, it kind of pokes fun at itself a little bit because of that some people might like it but i felt like it was a little bit too unoriginal for a lot of his different aspects even though again this is just a 2d interpretation of dark souls it has you know some of the quirks that go with 2d uh gameplay you know platforming and stuff uh the other thing also i just don't think that the the dark souls style of gameplay and the difficulty really translates too well into the 2d realm because a lot of the stuff that in the 3d versions like again just dark souls bloodborne neo a lot of those different things that you would have to do in the 3d space for example like climbing up a ladder uh in uh, Death's gambit you have to hold a button to try to climb onto or grab and climb onto a ladder or any sort of ledge and sometimes it just locks up and you just drop straight down into different pits and there's other little things here and there that just didn't really kind of work out too well luckily for us and luckily for me you don't take fall damage unlike in the dark Souls series but it's little things like that that kind of just added up throughout my time playing it so even though i love the visuals i think that the sprite work is awesome uh there's a lot of cool animations in there and a lot of great designs for some of the different enemies and other characters you run into much like the soul series there's all these other little things that i felt like just didn't kind of turn out too great but it's not a terrible game but it still has its issues so those are the reviews and the games I've been playing right now that I've been reviewing. There's other games that are coming very soon. I can't say. I can say that we're going to have a review of Freedom Planet on the Nintendo Switch. I'm under embargo right now, so I can't talk about my impressions of the game, but that's coming at the end of the month. Uh, we're also going to have impressions and a review of Shenmue HD 1 and 2, or Shenmue 1 and 2 HD. Look for that those really soon as well. And also The Messenger on a Nintendo Switch. Those are all games that we're going to have reviews on very, very soon. So that's what I've been up to. I've been a busy bug overall. Sounds awesome. Yes, uh, I, I just want to make two quick comments. Uh, yeah, I did see Death's Gambit at a, I believe at a E3. We went to the, uh, the Indie Mix event, um, and everybody was all over that game. So now, when you described it, now I understand why there were a lot of people that are interested in that game. So 
if you love the soul games like again if you like dark souls it's right up your alley the thing is though is that because it's in 2d i just don't think some of the stuff that works with the souls games or at least is like staples of that genre or that style of gameplay really works out too good in the 2d space like to me i'm looking at it and the way aesthetically it looks it feels it's supposed to look and feel like symphony of the night or any of these other like castlevania or metrovania style games but when you have you know the stamina meter which is already really tedious to work with in of itself with the soul style gameplay when you put that in the 2d realm and like you're jumping and it uses up your stamina and it takes away your ability to attack and stuff i just think that that just piles on and just kind of really bogs down the fun factor of everything and then obviously how difficult those games can be it just you know really kind of causes a lot of frustration in my personal opinion but that's just from my perspective well yeah i, I totally understand that um de- definitely want to see more from the game i will check it out but, you know i totally understand that that makes a lot of sense uh and the last thing i was gonna say uh so uh i think i know the answer to this question but i have to ask because you have played i believe pretty much all the yakuza games so if somebody wanted to actually start playing games in the series should they start with zero right or- now Right now, I think that the best games to start out playing the series, if you want to really kind of get into it, narratively-wise and timeline-wise, start out with Yakuza 0 because that's obviously the prequel to everything else that comes into the series. And I think that a lot of the modern stuff that they've done with the Yakuza games, you know, gameplay-wise, some of the tweaks and other little things that they've kind of put in, you know, from throughout the series uh, can be found in there. Uh, if you just want to just get into it and just see what the games are about, and you don't really care about the story as far as like going cr- in chronological order. You could you could really start with Yakuza Kiwami 2. You could start with Yakuza 6. I would even argue you could technically start with Yakuza 5 because all those games, again, they're their own stories and they do have recaps of stuff of what goes down, you know, around the series here and there. But they all have their own little things that I feel like makes them stand out from the other games. The one that I think is the best one, personally, I would say either Yakuza 5 or Yakuza 0. Because I think that the, the ridiculousness and the outlandishness of the series and the fun, cheeky humor is really kind of spotlighted in those games. While the other games tend to be a little bit much more serious in tone. Not as much, like not like super serious in comparison, but like a lot of the wackiness is kind of dialed down. It doesn't feel like so much like a Looney Tunes cartoon. Let me put it that way. Yeah, that's a very good explanation. After have to check that out when I have time. I don't have time to play it now, but one of these days. Yes. But yes, excellent recap. Thank you very much for letting us know all about those games. Um, so how about you, Gary? What have you been playing? Uh, yeah, so you already know I've been playing Overwatch. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean... Not too much new going on with that, but I, I did hit platinum rank in competitive, which is a big deal for me. Uh, but also, um, during Gamescom, they released some new stuff. So there's a new map called, uh, Busan, I believe. That's how you pronounce it. Um, it's set in, in South Korea, which is where the character Diva is from. And they also gave her a cinematic finally because she's like one of the most popular characters alongside tracer and and yeah pretty much tracer so yeah um that cinematic was pretty cool it was good to to kind of look into her story a little bit and understand you know uh where where she's coming from in terms of being a hero for overwatch and stuff so uh yeah it gives some nice background to the character uh and yeah still playing overwatch um i also played some world of warcraft 
because you know they did release the new expansion last week um i haven't actually even touched any of the the new content yet because i'm still leveling up my character to get to the point where i can actually like get into some of that new content and then you know uh maybe even join some guilds and you know do some some stuff some some quest uh some guild quests and stuff like that some activities and everything but um yeah so i'm just focused on leveling up my character getting the character to where it needs to be so that i can do some of that new stuff in the game and everything um besides that i've also been playing shenmue remaster and uh it, it was really good to play this game again because uh you know dreamcast was like it was it was a game changer for me like it was like one of the uh that was like the first console that i bought with like my own money and everything so that console meant a lot to me and this was one of the games that really want, made me want to get the dreamcast in the first place and i remember like reading up about it for months before it came out and everything and then when it came out i was like so excited and everything and um playing it now it's like i feel like it still holds up well uh obviously they did a lot of work with the remaster and everything uh they they did a lot to make it uh run well performance wise and everything on the pc and i assume the consoles as well um the button commands are tweaked so that you know it will, it will with the qts it will show whatever controller you're using and everything which is good um and i mean there's there's a few things that show its its age a little bit like the audio quality you can tell it was you know recorded back then and the, the quality of the audio isn't as good as what we expect now but i mean it is almost 20 years old at this point it's like 18 years old so um that's expected you know um in terms of the game itself uh i mean like it's been a while since i played the game so i'm still kind of rediscovering things that i don't remember and stuff like that about the story but the you know the game does have its flaws it has its ups and downs um you know mainly because it's it's time-based like you have to it's it's based on actual days so like you have to uh do everything within the the, the constraints of like a, a 24 hour cycle and everything and you have to be back at home at night time and stuff like that you know but but you know, uh, sometimes it's like the the actual quests that you have to do. Like you have to talk to this person, but you can only do it at a certain time, like maybe seven p.m. or something. And then it's like you have to kill time until then. And there's not really much to do to kill time. Like there's a few little fancy things here and there, like going to the arcade and playing Space Harrier or something. Uh, but that gets boring eventually and um you can also like train your 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 moves and everything like your your fight moves but you can't actually train with someone you're just training with yourself like you're just doing the moves but like pressing the combos and everything to to make the moves come out and that gets boring after a while so certain things like that are, are flaws with the game but for its time you know, at that time, you have to imagine at that time, that was pretty amazing. Some of these features that the game introduced and then other games later on went on to pick up those features and, you know, um, present them in, in a more fleshed out way. So Shenmue is revolutionary for its time, but, you know, playing it now, it's like we, we've been spoiled with so many other games like it, including the Yakuza games. 
because the Yakuza games take a lot of inspiration from Shenmue. So, um, yeah, I mean, like, playing it now, it might get boring for people and people might think, wow, this this actually wasn't, you know, this was an overhyped game. But you just have to understand that it was, it was like a game-changing, you know, thing for, for that point in time when it came out, like, in, in the year 2000. So, um, for its time, it, it was amazing. Um, and I never actually got that far into the second game, so I'm I'm really excited to get into that because I want to find out what actually happens in that game. So, yeah, uh, been playing that. Sounds good. Uh, I was considering picking up Shimu One and Two. Uh, I have to I have to think about that because it's going to be very busy over the next couple months all these other games coming out, but uh, I'll eventually get back to it, hopefully. Because uh, I really don't remember too much from when I played it originally, way back in the day. So uh, definitely want to check it out again, uh, but only when I have time to do so. Um, but yeah, sounds good. Um, as for what I've been playing, uh, really there's only one game that I have been playing extensively uh, this week, uh, and that is uh, Strange Brigade. Uh, I will have a review for that game early next week, so stay tuned for that. But for people who just want to get an understanding as to what the game is, it is a four-player cooperative game. You can play with your friends online or off. And basically, it is the equivalent of you playing an adventure game similar to Indiana Jones. You know, you're explore- exploring different areas, whether it's uh, caves, whether it's uh, like different landscapes, jungles, mountains, villages, uh, and you, of course, encounter loot. You know, a lot of treasures that you can collect. There's a lot of puzzles that you can also uh, solve. Uh, and, you know, you are able to play this individually, you know, or you can play it with a friend. Um, I have been playing some of the campaign uh, by myself, but I did manage to play some other some other missions with a few other people. But, um, the game is, is, is for, for, what, for what it's worth, it's, it, it's a great game. You know, it's made by Rebellion. This is the same guys who made Sniper Elite. Uh, none of that stuff is in it. So, you know, you're not going to shoot a guy and you're going to see an X-ray later of you shooting a guy and it's really graphic. You, you won't get any of that in this. It's just like a laid-back, fun experience for friends. It's obviously better if you play with friends. Um, but, yeah, you, you go to these different locations uh, you go against different types of creatures, whether it's an oversized scorpion or minotaurs, um, different types of creatures. It's also set during the 1930s, so they try to bring some of that some of that type of stuff in there to add a little bit more style and flair to the overall experience. But um, what I can say right now, it, it's, a, it's a fun game. I am enjoying it. Yes, if I had to complain about some stuff, it is very repetitive. You know, you face different enemy types, and they try to do like variations of the same enemies as you get deeper into the game. But, you know, pretty much it gets to a point where you're trying to stop the main antagonist. And in order to stop the main antagonist, you have to basically destroy these soul cages that are on pretty much every single level. So that gets a little repetitive. You know, you, you have those encounters where you take out the soul cages and there's always a boss on different stages that you have to deal with. So the game is, is good. It's good. It's, it's, it's an enjoyable game. It's fun. 
great with friends, but the, the repetition is, as I, as I said, that might annoy some people to some extent. But if you want to play a game where you just want to play a game with friends, you're not thinking too much about the story because the story is not really, there's nothing really much to the story. It's mainly just about playing with friends. Um, and, you know, when you do go to these lands, you can explore, do puzzles, collect loot, collect different uh, relics, so on and so forth. You can do all of that type of stuff. But overall, um, it is just a great ideal game if you want to play with friends. So I definitely will recommend that. I will have more to say about the game early next week. Um, because, yeah, there'll be a full review to give you guys more of my thoughts on it. But um, that pretty much is the extent that all I have been playing for this week. Uh, there obviously is a lot of games coming in the next couple of weeks, so I'm pretty sure we're going to have a lot to say about some of these other major titles coming soon. So stay tuned for that. But um, that concludes what we have been playing. So uh, we're going to go ahead and we're going to jump right into the news topics for this week. Um, the first topic... Uh, actually, a very interesting topic coming from uh, Miyamoto over at Nintendo. Um, basically, he had an interview recently, and he stated that uh, fixed-price games are preferable to free-to-play games. Uh, his exact quote, I believe, is that, we're lucky to have such a giant market, so our thinking is, if we can de deliver games at reasonable prices to as many people as possible, we will see big profits. Um, so in other words, they want to, they don't want to adopt the free to play model. They want to focus on making great games and also to go along with the statement. Reggie has also uh, released a statement of his own and he thinks that, uh, loot boxes, they've got a, a bad rap. Um, and he's compared them to baseball cards. So, uh, I guess we want to have a discussion here about what our thoughts on what Nintendo is trying to do focus more on making reasonably priced games instead of doing the free-to-play thing and whether or not we think that's a good thing for the industry. So, uh, Gary, you have any thoughts you want to share on this particular topic? Yeah, um, I mean, for Nintendo specifically, I, I can understand why uh, that's their, their mindset and the direction they want to go in because they're known for, you know, perfecting their games like you you never really hear about bugs in in Nintendo exclusive games and stuff like that. Like they they make sure they go over that game until it's perfect. So uh, with with that, I mean, yeah, I could see why they probably wouldn't be uh, that fond of the free to play model because it's like with the free to play model, you're it's always an ongoing prog like process. Like it's a it's a work in progress basically that you're always kind of uh you know fixing and working on new content for and it's like a, it's, it's a never-ending cycle for it you know um whereas nintendo are more traditional in the sense they like to uh perfect a game and then put it on the market and then you know if they need to support it after they'll continue to do that too but they want to perfect it first they want the base game to be you know perfect and they want you know to to recoup on that um, so I understand, you know, that perspective, but um, I do feel there's benefits of the free to play market uh, and uh, there are some pretty successful free to play games. I mean, Fortnite is the biggest, uh, you know, example right now of that. Uh, and, you know, there, I mean, there's a lot of MMOs and stuff. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's benefits of the free to play model and 
I don't think it should be shunned or looked down upon. Of course, there are companies that abuse it. And I guess that's, you know, probably a lot of what uh, Nintendo thinks about when they think of free-to-play are the the ones who kind of abuse the system a little bit. uh, Where, you know, it's free to actually download the game and get into it. But then a lot of the good content that you want to play the game for is locked behind a paywall and stuff like that. Like, you know, uh, that's that always sucks. You know that if, if if that's what the creator is going to do, um, and I think that is a definitely a bad practice. But for the people who do it the right way, I think free to play is great, um, and I think a lot of gamers do agree with that because there are there are a ton of people out there who who only play free to play games, like they just play free stuff on their phone or you know games that are free on PC that they can hop into and stuff. And they enjoy that. And sometimes it makes them want to spend money on the game just because, you know, it's free and, and they're getting so much value from it. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it depends really. I mean, for Nintendo, I could understand this is not their model. You know, um, obviously we're seeing more things on their system that, that we haven't seen previously. Like there's, you know, Fortnite's on there now and, uh, a lot of other creators are, are publishing stuff on the Switch now, so we're probably going to see a lot of different things, like different service-based games and things of that nature on the Switch. Um, so they probably have to be aware of all these things and be savvy towards it, but um, they don't have to actually put it into practice themselves. So, yeah. Sounds good. Interesting thoughts. Uh, how about you, Mr. Google? Yeah, I kind of agree with Gary to to an extent. And I, we have to understand that uh, Nintendo could really say something like this because they're Nintendo. Because their brand and their name has so much resonance with so many people, not just in this industry, but outside of this industry. So they don't necessarily need to adopt any other business model that doesn't already or hasn't already worked for them over the last 30 plus years. That's just a fact. They're, they're the oldest and the most stable as far as, you know, uh, was it being around for so long company within the gaming industry? That's just another fact. Uh, I think that also they kind of have adopted a little bit of the free-to-play model because they've allowed games like Fortnite to come to their consoles on the Switch and still have that free-to-play model. You know, you don't have to buy uh, Fortnite for $60 to play it on the Switch right now. That's just, you know, how it is. You could you could pay money and buy some of the stuff in-game, whatever passes that they have in-game for Fortnite, but you can still play it for free and still get some sort of enjoyment out of it. And you can even argue to an extent with some of their mobile titles like Super Mario Run and a couple others that they put out there. I believe also Fire Emblem on mobile devices is another example of that. So because it's Nintendo, they could say something like this and be and everybody would be okay with it or at least understand their perspective on the matter because no matter what, when people see a Nintendo game, when people see the Nintendo brand uh, and the logo put onto something, they're immediately going to be, or at least the majority of people are going to be quick to buy it because they know that you're getting a certain level of quality with that or at least you're getting a certain type of product in some way presented to you in some fashion that people up to this, up to this day will still pay money for, pay good money for. You know, there's a big nintendo fan base out there in and out of the industry even people that aren't entrenched in gaming still know what nintendo is you can't say that about a lot of other companies especially in the games industry like that save for a couple obviously like sony with playstation microsoft with the xbox you know there's brand recognition like that 
But you, I doubt you'll be able to see a statement like that from like an EA or an Activision or any other company like that, you know, that's third party or doesn't have the same uh, tenure or resonance with people as Nintendo does. So, again, he, he's at least, you know, saying some salient points. He's, he's at least, you know, knows exactly what he's talking about. And you could even argue Re- Reggie fils kind of, you know, uh, started that conversation there. Or at least, you know, he had a quote on that as well where he compared the free to play model to baseball cards. And I think, you know, there are some parallels there like that you know it, it get the whole free-to-play model with the exception of like things like fortnite and PUBG, gets a bad rap because it can be taken advantage of so easily or at least you know be interpreted to be taken advantage of so easily i agree 100 yeah i think you both made excellent points um yeah it, like, like 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 you said nintendo always has uh excellent quality when they release their games I know I did get a, to take a peek at the MPBs, and I see a lot of Nintendo titles are back on the MPBs for July, including Zelda. So um found that to be very interesting. But yeah, people love their games. Uh, when they take time to make a game of quality, and it, it, it's great, That's that pretty much sells it right there. Uh, I have no doubt that uh, Smash Brothers Ultimate, their next big title for the fall, that's, that's just going to sell like hotcakes left and right but uh they don't need to really go the uh free to play free to play route so i agree i don't really have anything else to add um did you guys have anything else you wanted to say on this particular topic no i'm good all right so we're going to move on to the next topic and i'm pretty sure that this is a topic that is going to be very disappointing for gary to hear uh, Ubisoft CEO made a statement earlier this week saying that there is currently no plan to have any Assassin's Creed game next year. Uh, they feel, you know, they, they like taking these breaks, you know, just to give the series a bit of a rest for a while. I know we've spoken about this in the past when they did make the statement before about there not being an Assassin's Creed, uh, but then they went on ahead and they released, uh, of course, last year they released, um, Origins, and then we're getting uh, the new Assassin's Creed Odyssey game later this year. So, actually, not later this year, in like two months. So, um, I'm going to start with you, Gary. Do you think that uh, this is a great announcement by Ubisoft, or do you think that um, this is something that was said for now, and they're not going to take a long break, but that the series will make a return in perhaps 2020? Um. Yeah, I think this is actually a good idea because you don't want it to get saturated again and you want to take extra time to work on, you know, new uh, development techniques and practices that can improve the game and the engine and everything. So I think it's a good move. And um, they also said that they plan on supporting Assassin's Creed Odyssey, you know, further into uh, 2019 as well. So they'll probably bring out like an expansion or DLC or some, you know, some form of content for for that game. So um, I I think uh, Odyssey is going to be like a really, uh, a really, uh, what's the word? Like I, I think it's going to be a game that's going to be full of content, like full of content that you can enjoy f- over a long period of time, and then they're going to continue to add to that. Um, and I think that's their plan for the game. So I'm, I'm, I think they want people to be satisfied for it with it for a long time, basically. 
um and then you know uh during that time they could also work on the next one which we'll probably see in 2020 so i think it's good i think i I think they definitely should do this where they space out the assassin's creed games a lot more just so we can begin to see new things with each edition because you know for a long time it was literally like the same game repeated over and over just a different character in a different setting in a different you know city or whatever but a lot of the content was like exactly the same the mission structures were the same and all that stuff and that got really repetitive so um yeah i think this is this is the best way they should do it uh i agree and i do have some thoughts to say on it but i'm gonna go to you first mr lugo I think I'm fine with it. And, and honestly, God, up until obviously I looked up some of the release schedule and stuff. I thought that uh, Odyssey was coming out next year, but uh, apparently it's this year, correct? Like it's it's toward the end of this year, right? Or is oh, it yeah. It, oh, oh no, it's it, it's in it's in October, right before it's Red Dead. So yeah, yeah, so like I mean, again, I'm fine with that. I mean, if they take a year off and then 2020 we get whatever the next game is, or 2021, I'm totally cool with that because we're getting one like right around the corner now. And then plus, look at all the other games we have to play coming into this fourth quarter and then what we're going to get possibly next year on top of that. So there's already a lot that's going to be on people's plates. So I'm totally fine with that. Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. The one thing that I, I would add is that um, I, I do think it is smart for Ubisoft to do this. Uh, I know that we've had discussions in the past about all the changes they made to the actual storyline within Assassin's Creed. And when they decide to kill off Desmond, and now they just have every every other year, it's a different location, different stuff like that. I mean, it's totally fine with that. But yeah, the complaint we had is that they needed to space this stuff out. Because even with this game coming out this year, I was not expecting this game to come out this soon. Especially when they had Origins out uh, last year. So um, the break is needed, and I think it's, it's great. You know, it will allow other titles. I know there's another title that people wanted to get announced at E3 that wasn't, and that's the uh, Splinter Cell game. Perhaps that's the game that comes out next year instead. You know, I know the Division 2 will definitely be out next year, and they'll probably have a couple other surprises. But, yeah, a year without Assassin's Creed is great. And uh, one thing I will say uh, in regards to this particular game, uh, Odyssey, so many things they change about this game to have the dialogue conversations. It, it feels like it's more like an RPG. So, and I think a lot of people, if they didn't get a chance to play it, because I did get a chance to play it at E3, they're going to really be blown away by this. And they actually made say after this, well, every Assassin's Creed game should, should be like this. Because the choices, you know, they are supposed to matter. Now, I don't know if they matter because what I played... Uh, I didn't really get to see any consequences in the actual demo that I was playing, but the choices do matter. Uh, and you can do a lot of different things, you know, in this particular game. So I'm curious to see how that system plays out in the final build. But if it is successful, I'm pretty sure a lot of fans will respond very positively to this and that they may have to consider making this a regular thing moving forward from serious. So I think it is a wise decision to not have an Assassin's Creed every year. So, I applaud that move by Ubisoft. Yeah, that's uh, all I was going to add on that topic. Uh, any other thoughts before we move on to the next topic? Yeah, just uh, give us a Watch Dogs 3 at some point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you enjoy Watch Dogs 2, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I haven't, like 
played a lot of it, I have to admit, but I do like the, you know, the premise of the games, and it's a game I do want to actually go back to at some point. But, um, yeah, I, I like those games, and I like the general concept and idea of them. And Watch Dogs 2 was way better than the first game, so, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, it, it definitely looked 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 a hell of a lot better. So, I still need to play that. I have no idea when I will have the time to play it, but we'll see. Okay, uh, let's move on to the next topic, uh, and this is we're going to be getting into Gamescom here soon. Uh, one major announcement that was made at the very start of Gamescom was that we finally got an official release date for Shenmue Three. I believe it is August twenty seventh. 2019. So, um, I know that we saw uh, Shenmue. Well, actually, I'm going to go to you first, Mr. Google, because you was at the PlayStation where they announced Shenmue 3, and everybody went crazy. So, what are your thoughts on the fact that we finally have a release date now? Uh, wow, it's taken a while. Let me put it that way. Because <laughs> I was in that. You were right. I was in that audience. I actually got on the highlight reel for PlayStation that year for their E3 conference. So the, the one, the spot that they showed me and a couple of my colleagues that was there was actually during the final fantasy seven uh, remake reveal. But that was also the same year that they also revealed that Shenmue three was actually real and a thing that was being done. It's kind of funny enough that they announced it way early. And now we're actually going to get to that point that we may have a release date, which I don't even think they're really going to hit that release date to be totally honest with you, because you know, of obvious reasons, but, uh, Again, it's cool. Let's see if they actually make it. Let's see how this game actually is now. Funny enough, you know, I'm curious to know by the time this game comes out, if people are really going to resonate with it as much or if it's going to have a lot of different things that we've seen kind of, you know, over the years, or is it still going to be the same notes and beats as Shenmue 1 and 2? Because remember, we just got Shenmue 1 and 2 HD right now, and people have various different opinions about it. And I'm going to have my opinion about it when we get the review out very soon. But our audiences and gamers in general now today really going to care about that game because it's the third game in a series. Uh, it made the basis for a lot of games like Yakuza, since you know it is a Sega property. A lot of the stuff that you see in Yakuza came from Shenmue in some form or fashion. It's very primitive in Shenmue compared to what it ended up being in Yakuza. But also, is there going to be a lot of changes made for that franchise, for that series, now that there's been so many advancements in gaming today? That, that 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 that's a very good point. You know, I, I know Gary uh, mentioned earlier that uh, obviously with the with Shimmer One and Two, there's certain things in that game that were revolutionary for their time. But uh, Gary sound a little annoyed about that. So um, Gary, if if that stuff is also in Shenmue Three and is not changed, uh, uh, is that going to bother you? Yeah, I mean, like the the main thing is like with uh, how they handle time like i mean it's cool they have a time system and that you can only uh you know um carry on certain missions at certain times or whatever but they need to give you enough to to do in between and that's where the problem was with the original game because i mean you know i i guess they they was really just kind of uh this was like a a vision that they were just creating in the moment kind of thing and they they were probably uh they probably had difficulties with technology and everything like that. And they were figuring things out as they go along. So they were they're like, they didn't pack it with a, enough, as much depth as they, they, they should have. And that's the biggest problem with, with the first game. It's like, there's not really enough to do 
in between those times you're waiting to continue the mission. Um, but now we have much better technology and everything. And um, I think the only thing that's going to limit them is the budget, you know. Um, I mean, they, they, they have a few million. Um, I'm, I'm not sure of the actual figure because I know Sony gave them some money too. So I'm not sure on the actual figure they have for the development, but I would assume that they'd be able to, you know, um, pack in much more content and much more things for you to do between missions. And that's really all we, all we could ask. Visually, I mean, I'm, I'm not even, uh, I'm not even going to complain if it looks exactly the same as the first game, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, I just want the continuation of, of the game because we've been waiting for this for so long. Uh, but yeah, just give us much more content and much more to do in the game. Make it comparable to Yakuza in terms of the things that you can do, you know, between missions and things like that. And I think people will be happy because um, there's tons of indie games out there on Steam and other platforms that are full of content. And, you know, they they've got decent visuals and they're just packed with content. So I don't want Shenmue three to come out and it has it, it's lacking in, in content like the first game because that's going to be a huge disappointment so as long as it's got you know way more content than the original games then that's a success and if it runs perfectly and stuff it, you know we, we don't want technical issues or anything like that so yeah um as for the actual release date though this this game was supposed like people were expecting this game this year and now you're telling us we got to wait a whole nother year. Like, I mean, I guess the fact that we got the remasters kind of softened the blow a little bit because now at least we can catch up before three comes out. But still, you know, it's like you, you make us wait all this time and then you say, oh, just just wait one more year, one more year. And, you know, it's kind of frustrating a little bit for especially for the people who donated as well. But um yeah, it's 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 basically exactly one year from now. You know, it's it's the twenty fourth today, but you know we're a few days away from the twenty seventh, and it's coming out August twenty seventh, two thousand nineteen. So it's almost exactly one year from today. Um, so I mean, we're gonna get a lot of games in between that time, I guess. So it's not that bad, but yeah, uh, it, it, we would have liked it sooner. Yeah. I, I, I definitely agree. Um, as as uh, Mr. Lugo had already said earlier, yeah, this this was announced uh, very very early uh, back at that E3. Uh, and I remember when the announcement happened. I know there was a lot of people that was excited about that announcement. Uh, I saw obviously the reaction at the PlayStation event, and then even back here when we watched it, yeah, a lot of excitement. So, um, I mean, I personally am glad that I, I do believe Mr. Lugo is correct when he said they may not hit that date. I, I would at least hope, though, that 2019 is the window. It doesn't fall, you know, past that. But, yeah, 2019, I would think, because, I mean, I don't really know when we're going to get a PlayStation 5 or the next Xbox. So it, this may be one of those games where it's coming towards the tail end of the console life cycle, uh, which makes me wonder if it's going to be cross-compatible with the next uh, console. But that's another conversation for another day. But... I am glad that at least we do know that they are intending. They are intending to release it next August uh, because that definitely helps me because that will give me more than enough time to get the uh, you know the collection and play through the game once again and then be ready for this game. So I don't have a problem with that. And I and I also will say that 
I do agree with what you said, Gary. There are a lot of games coming out before this game comes out. So without knowing what fall 2019 looks like or even the summer and, and getting into this time, I would say, okay, this is great because there's a lot of stuff coming this fall and in early 2019, which we're going to get into here uh, shortly. So um glad that they've at least given people some type of date to look forward to. And we'll see if they hit that date, but it's all to be determined at this point. So we'll see. Hey, uh, at least they'll be releasing before Star Citizen. <laughs> I thought Star Citizen was out. Is, is, is that still in early access or what, what, what's the deal with that? Yeah, they're, they're pretty much just making like beta, like small bite-sized betas of the, the game or what the game will be and stuff like that like uh, okay um but yeah there, there's there's no full game yet and people have been waiting for that game forever well hey, maybe it'll be out 2019 also we'll, we'll see <laughs> we'll see all right so um i believe that's it for shimmo 3 we're gonna now move on to gamescom because uh there was a quite a bit of things that went down this week, all Gamescom related news. Uh, I did get a chance to see the Xbox uh, show, so I will say something about that. But um, I just want to get you guys' opinions first on some of the highlights you thought that you saw at Gamescom that you thought were, were great. So I'm actually going to start with you first, Mr. Lugo. Uh, what did you think about Gamescom 2018? Was there any announcements that stood out to you? Uh, the funny thing about this is that a lot of other people I've noticed, because I followed a lot of the news that was coming out of Gamescom from various different sources, not just the places that were there reporting on stuff, but I even got like some of the hot takes from various different people in the industry, you know, just to kind of gauge what the opinions were. And a lot of people really didn't give a damn about Gamescom in, in hindsight. Like there were some announcements, you know, cool announcements and cool reveals, but like compared to the, the, the energy that you get from a lot of other shows like E3 and PSX and stuff, it was rather low for Gamescom stuff compared to last year or the year before, at least from what I saw. Even though we got some cool announcements, again, we got dates or at least, you know, ideas and more reveals of Devil May Cry 5. We got more stuff on Life is Strange 2, like right before Gamescom. We got some more footage and I think more details about Cyberpunk 2077. Like, you know, just... uh a whole bunch of different things like there's a there was a lot of different stuff and i thought it was cool but the energy was rather low for gamescom from what i've been seeing well i i i must say that this is horrible news because i was strongly thinking you know maybe i need to try to go to gamescom next year but uh to know that it got that kind of reaction that that's not good to hear and you know what i think it is rich i think it's here for us in the states because i'm pretty sure they're going wild in europe and asia about Gamescom because obviously the show's out there and I think also different audiences. But just maybe right now because of the time frame, I think a lot of people are also hyped with some of the big releases. They're going to come out very soon in the next like month or so. That could also have something to do with it. There's a lot of different factors. But compared to last year, I'm noticing that the energy is rather low for Gamescom. I, I, I totally understand that. Um, I know one thing about Gamescom is that there, there was a lot of games that were playable for the first time there, I, I believe that they say Devil May Cry was playable there, right? They had like a demo for it. I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I know that we got a gameplay reveal. I know that yeah. that's what people were talking about, but I don't remember if it was actually playable on the floor. I could be wrong about that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I know uh, pretty much every year that they do have some games that are playable at Gamescom that are playable at E3. So, um, 
But I understand it is uh, a lot of different varying opinions on the show. So yeah, we'll, we'll see. Now, um, I want to go to you next, Gary, because uh, you made a joke uh, saying that the only thing you were looking forward to with Gamescom was the Overwatch announcement. So uh, in hindsight, is that truly the only thing that excited you about Gamescom or did any of the other news interest you? It, it was pretty much just that, and I mean, there was something else, <laughs> but um, I'll, I'll get to that. But f- first of all, I just want to say, like, with Gamescom, it's one of those events that you really, uh, I think you have to be at Gamescom to get the most out of it, because, like, with E3, it's like, a, it's like the biggest media event in gaming every single year, and it's like, you can enjoy watching E3, even if you're not there, just because the level of announcements that come out from it you know, it's, it's entertaining to watch and everybody, like everyone who's a serious gamer is going to be paying attention at that point because that's where all the stuff is going to come out, you know. But with Gamescom, it's like, it's more of a show you need to be at. Like, sure, there's going to be conferences and stuff like that and they're going to, uh, but the, the, the scale of the announcements are going to be much smaller than what you would get at E3. Let's put it that way. So for that reason, you know, you kind of need to be there because they're going to be having a lot of different gameplay demos behind the scenes and stuff. And you're going to miss out on that stuff if you're not, if you're not there. So it's going to be hard to be hyped for it, really. So that's why, you know, that not as many people are hyped online and, and stuff like that for Gamescom. Um, and the scale of the announcements were much smaller than, you know, what we get at E3. So I think that's why there's kind of a lack of enthusiasm. Especially on my part, because me, like, I was at work when a lot of this stuff was going on anyway. Um, so I was just like, okay, cool, whatever. I was just watching the group chat and everything, seeing what people were talking about on Twitter and stuff. And I was like, okay, cool, new, a new trailer. Cool. Uh, I'll, I'll watch that at some point, I guess. You know, that was pretty much my enthusiasm throughout the week for Gamescom. But two things stood out to me. Of course, the Overwatch stuff, which I've already kind of talked about. But, you know, that was the only thing I was kind of interested in because I had prior knowledge of what it might be. Um, and then the NVIDIA stuff as well, because they announced a new line of graphics cards. Um, so they're in like the 2000 range now um, in terms of like the model, because um, the, the previous line was uh, you had the 1070E, the 1080E, you got the 1060 as well, which is like the lower end. Uh, you also got a 1050. Uh, but the new ones are t- uh, 2080 and you know 2070, um, and they're going to be doing a lot more dynamic stuff in terms of the graphics, and they're going to give you a greater level of control over these different aspects of graphics and stuff. So, um, I mean, they, these things are going to be pretty pricey. Like, I, I'm sure they're going to be towards the thousand thousand dollar mark or something like that. I'm not sure in pounds, but but yeah, they're pretty pricey cards, but my hope is that the, the 1080 and the 1070 are going to come down in price significantly because those are still amazing cards. So um, if you are getting into building a PC or getting a PC, you know, at least those cards will be a bit cheaper to, to get and stuff. So uh, yeah, that, that, that caught my interest as well, the NVIDIA stuff. I got you. Yes. Oh, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, and, and, and NVIDIA's that good. Hopefully uh, next year at E3 we can uh, make some appointments with NVIDIA. We'll see. Let's hope so. Yes. 
But what so, happened with Microsoft though? Because I, I know there was a lot with Microsoft. I was at work at the time, so I, you know, I couldn't watch it or anything. So yeah, I I, I did see Microsoft's uh, presentation. Well, not really a presentation. It's like they did uh, in previous years where they just have a show at, at you know at the actual booth and they show you some different announcements and stuff like that. Uh, they announced a couple of things that I that I thought were interesting. Um, Obviously, I, I think the biggest announcement they made was that the Master Chief Collection is finally going to get 4K support, and it's coming to Game Pass September 1st. Uh, and I, I think that announcement by itself is, was a pretty big deal. You know, I was one of the people that picked up Master Chief Collection uh, when it launched several years ago. And then, of course, as you know, the history with that game, it was a lot of issues uh, that had to be fixed, whether it was the online matchmaking issues or there was just other issues, technical side that had to be fixed. Uh, well, all of that has been fixed, and it does have 4K support. Um, so if you have an Xbox One X now, um, then yeah, this is this is will probably be the best version of, of Halo that you can play. Uh, the other announcement was that uh, PUBG will finally be coming into version 1.0, and that's also in September. Uh, I don't really care about PUBG, obviously. Um, I'm not going to hate on the game because there are a lot of people that like the Battle Royale type type of games, and that's that's totally fine. But um, that finally coming to like a full-fledged release, and then there's other things that they're doing for that, I think that's great for people. So in September, you know, people who do have an Xbox, they definitely will have a lot to play. If they have Game Pass, they'll have even more to play because, you know, Master Chief Collection will be there. Um, aside from that, oh yeah, they did announce uh, your game, Gary. Uh, Hunt Showdown is coming to Xbox Game Preview. Um, there wasn't any information about when it's coming. It's just we just know it's coming. They didn't say whether it's later this year or next year. Uh, and then they obviously announced a lot of updates they're making to um, their, their, you know, you know, different uh, DLCs they're releasing for State of Decay and uh, Sea of Thieves, so on and so forth. Didn't mention anything about Crackdown 3. So my guess is the next time we see that game, that'll be when there'll be a launch trailer or something because they didn't take any time to talk about that. Um, They talked about controllers. They talked about bundles for the Xbox One and the One X. Um, That was pretty much the extent of the show. There wasn't really any major announcements. Um, So to me... You know, I know they said they were going to announce a lot of new games. Don't get me wrong. There are some indie games that are coming to Xbox. We already knew about some of those indie games, but there wasn't really anything really, I would say, major newsworthy outside of the fact that the Master Chief Collection is coming to Game Pass. Um, So I don't really think that you missed too much. Uh, As for what I think of, what I thought of the little show that they had, I thought it was fine. You know, I, I wasn't expecting them to make any major, major announcements because we already know as far as the rest of this year is concerned one of the major games they have coming is Forza Motorsport uh, 4 um, maybe uh, Forza Horizon 4 so that is essentially the only game that I'm waiting to play on Xbox everything else you know they have a couple of indie games look interesting uh, Ash Ashen is one of them um, I did get a chance to play that at E3 that's a great game another RPG type of game but all of these other announcements for the most part, third-party titles, which would be on PC and PlayStation. So not really too much that they're offering this year, but we'll definitely see what Microsoft has in store next year. 
But again, if you do have Game Pass, Halo Master Chief Collection, I think that'll be that's going. To, a lot of people are going to download that immediately as soon as they get an opportunity. Uh, so that that's, that was a good announcement. But outside of that, no, no other major announcements, in my opinion. Yeah, I gotta agree. That is a really good announcement, the Master Chief Collection. Because uh, yeah, now that it's on Game Pass, even I can try it out. So that's that's pretty good. Well, uh, well, well. Uh, actually, I don't know if uh, will that work on PC or is it only Xbox? Oh, is, it, is there only Xbox? I, you got, we may have to check Doesn't that. Work for like games from Windows Live, or or am I completely off base with that? Like, I'm not sure. I'm a little confused. It, I mean, it might be. Because uh, I'm guessing it's probably going to be a lot of development to 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 put it on PC. So if they haven't done that, then yeah, I guess it's going to be only uh, Xbox. But... Yeah, I I think it's specific to Xbox because I mean I I have Game Pass, uh, but I didn't see anything about you know there being any Windows titles on there. Like I'm looking at it now. I'm reading through the the article that we're referring to now and stuff, and it sounds like it's just exclusive to the Xbox, just to the Xbox yeah. brands like that. So that makes sense because if you're going to include all that stuff, you know, Gold, uh, Gamer Pass, and all those different stuff, it makes sense just to have it limited to that. Otherwise, you're giving all this stuff that would probably be you know a lot more expensive than what they were thinking about charging for it. Exactly. Yep, you're right. Uh, and you know that's okay because I'm pretty sure that uh, Halo Infinite that will. That'll probably be cross. That'll probably be on PC and Xbox One, with, just like they have uh, the next Gears game is also going to be the same. Gears Five. So you'll have to wait for that game, Gary. No, no Master Chief Collection. Let me ask you guys this: What do you guys think about that price? If the sources that they're referring to are correct, that it's like twenty-two dollars per month, which is kind of like you know similar to like a Netflix, basically, like you're paying like fourteen something a month, depending on what you get with Netflix. But it's twenty-two for Xbox, but you're getting gold. You're getting you're getting live. And you're getting games for gold. You're getting the gamer pass stuff. Like, do you think that's uh, enough value there for at least for Xbox people? Ah, uh, you're talking about Xbox All Access. Yes, yeah. the rumor. Uh, well, you know what? Yeah, let's let's go into that because that was the main main topic anyway. Um, I personally think, yeah, you're getting a lot of value for the price, but uh, it, it's you know, it's, I guess they they use the uh, example of if somebody wants to buy like a new iPhone. You know, it's basically you pay a certain price per month, a lower price, then over time you pay it off. Um, I think, I, you know, I'm, I'm curious as to why Microsoft didn't try this this model sooner, uh, because I think it could be successful depending. I mean, it definitely makes it a more a budget price for the console. Maybe because of the contract stuff, though, because remember, you know how people are with contracts with phones right now. And even back then when the PlayStation Vita first came out, we had the 3G model, or the 4G model, that people were upset that it was tied to AT&T because you had to get a contract to do that stuff. Like there's there's things like that that just seem like they're a little bit antsy for for at least the gaming consumer base that it might, you know, be a little bit turned off by that. So maybe that's why they didn't kind of approach this beforehand. That's a good point. I think there's there's ways, there's creative ways they can get around that though to, to kind of trick the consumer into not really knowing they're signing the contract like it, it could just be like a little online form that you fill out and you're not really aware that you're signing a contract you're like but you're you know you're just filling out the form to get the product and get the subscription but you're also like ticking the boxes to say yes i understand this and this and this and then that's it you're locked in you know like um i think it's as simple as that you said you said you, you use the word trick though gary so 
that's a dangerous word to use with Microsoft. Yeah, I mean, you know, like it's 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 the things companies do. I mean, not just Microsoft, but a lot of companies do that. Like you, you could be filling in a form or something online to get something, um, and you don't really know that you're really filling filling in a contract at that point. Yeah, you might not think you are, but you really are. So, well, I mean, yeah, no, you know, you're right about that. I think you you both make excellent points. I, I um. I personally don't think it's a it's a bad thing, you know. I, I know um, I'm very curious to see because I know at this point it's a rumor. Then the rumor is that this announcement is going to happen next week, so I guess we'll see whether or not that's accurate. But I I think if there was somebody that wanted to get an Xbox One X and they don't have five hundred dollars to buy the Xbox One X, this isn't this isn't a bad thing because again, you need Xbox Live for the majority of the games that you want to play. Game Game Pass is still a, a great service. I, I, I would make the argument that you know there's probably they do have instances where there are certain titles that come on Game Pass. They're only on there for a limited amount of time, which you know if you don't get them at that particular time, then you're out of luck. That's not good, but still, it's a good value that you'll be getting all of that for, for that price, and you're only paying it on a monthly basis. Now, again, it all depends if people have the money for that, because I do know that. A lot of people, you already have subscriptions that you pay for. Maybe say you pay for Spotify Premium or Netflix. Then that stuff can add up over time if you're adding another subscription to that. So um, it all depends. But I, I don't have an issue with this particular idea. I, I'm curious to see if Microsoft does it and if it proves to be successful. The one thing that I will say, though, is if they do this, I, I would hope that they do it at a time where... There, there actually is a lot of software that's either coming to Xbox or coming to Game Pass. Like in they, like I said earlier, with Forza, Forza uh, Horizon 4, if they did this program and in October someone picks it up and they can get access to Forza Horizon 4, that's great. Um, and then, of course, because you got you to also consider that there are going to be a, a ton of other games that are coming out that... Aren't necessarily, aren't necessarily going to be available unless you buy those games. So you still would have to pay money for some of these other games, like Fallout 76, um, Red Dead Redemption 2. You got to buy these games separate from the actual subscription. So that's something that people would have to consider. But that's why I was saying if it was an instance where Microsoft was releasing a lot more titles on Game Pass, like say they decided... We're going to release Gears 5 this year in November. We're going to release Halo in December. Then I can say, oh, yeah, well, that's great. So if someone, you know, has a subscription to this service, they pay maybe 22 a month. When we get to about the third month, they will have access to three games that are exclusive to Xbox and Windows 10. That will be a great value. But, um, again, the only game we know they got coming this fall that is on Game Pass is, of course, I did mention Halo but also that and the uh, Forza. So I don't really know if everybody really is going to care about Forza like that. But still, I, I say I'm curious to see how this thing works. I don't think it's a bad idea. I'm just curious to see how it's actually going to work, whether or not people are actually going to sign up for the service. Yeah. So, um, you okay, you asked the question, do we think that this service will revolutionize the Xbox brand. Um, I don't think so, honestly. 
<laughs> I don't think that that's an idea that's really revolutionary, especially, you know, one, the contracting again, I just think that the perception and the way that, you know, asking people to commit to something like that and stay committed to it. I think that'll cause a problem or cause some, some sort of, you know, debate about it or discrepancy because, you know, why go with that type of option when I could just pay for Xbox live gold and just not be tied to a contract or play for pay for PlayStation plus and not be tied to a contract like that. Granted, you're not getting as much value with all that different stuff in the same package. You know, there's a lot of different things that get associated with that, even though it's the same type of deal as like, if you were paying for like your phone every single month, but I feel like there's just certain stuff about it that will turn people off. But as far as revolutionizing the brand or offering a service, to it, I don't think so. I don't think it's really going to be that impactful like that. Yeah. See, yeah. I, I think the opposite, because I, I think this is the best move that they could possibly make. Because like right now, like Microsoft is sitting on a ton of Xbox stock right now. Like they've got tons of consoles in the warehouse, like ready to go out. <laughs> like, because, you know. They're, they're playing catch up still, so this is the perfect way to to, to ship off some of those Xboxes, I think, and that I think people would actually get this too. Like if you, because it, it, you can't, it's hard to get people to say, okay, look, spend three hundred or four hundred dollars on a console right now. Like it's hard to get people into that mindset to be like, okay, you know, what? I'm going to buy this console right now. But if you if you tell people, you can pay X amount over like like per month over the course of this many months then that's a lot easier to fit into your finances on a month-to-month basis like if you're paying like 30 dollars or something you're getting the hardware and you're getting the prime services which is xbox live and games pass like if you can get that package and just pay like x amount every month so it fits nicely into your you know your wages your finances or whatever then that's a really good deal in my opinion um and you know I, I don't want people to think that this is a service that you can cancel like just after a month and get like just keep the xbox like that's not how it's going to work it's going to be like you know you have you're going to be locked in for x amount of months until it kind of pays itself off kind of thing like a phone contract basically um and you know if you tell people oh uh to, to buy iphone x for a thousand dollars they're not going to do that but they'll they'll get a plan where they pay you know like 40 or 50 bucks a month on it and then you know that's much easier to manage at that point so i think this is great for in terms of xbox and i think this is a good way to actually get more people to get the system now like you said rich they have to have the software there to back it up they have to have stuff on games pass and they have to have stuff on xbox live to you know to to make sure there's enough content there because who's gonna want to subscribe to to xbox all access just to watch netflix now you know like because that's 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 too much for netflix like you're already paying like ten dollars for netflix or something like that so you don't want to pay like an extra 30 bucks on top of that you know just to watch netflix so so yeah they, they need to be putting out some some more a lot more content actually um to make you know people want to really hop on this but i think it's smart and this is something we this was something that was kind of discussed that you know towards the the start of this generation when we were we were well it was around the time that they were bringing out the playstation uh plus i mean the playstation 4 pro sorry and the you know they were they were announcing 
the next uh the 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 xbox one x and stuff like that uh but this was what we were thinking like okay we're gonna have we we, these are gonna be services now and we're gonna have new iterations of hardware every few years just like phones and this is actually taking a step towards that because you know the in this article that you know in this report they actually say that the xbox all access is going to start with xbox one s you know the the one s model but who's to say they can't have different model models and stuff so it's like they can have a a xbox one x package you know as well and that one costs a little more of course uh and then whenever the the next console comes out they have a new like a new package for that too so it's pretty much you know they're doing the iphone thing at that point so like i think this is definitely a revolutionary step in terms of how we consume games and how we get games and how we get gaming hardware like this is a big step and it could change things in the future if it is successful uh now of course this is a report and apparently microsoft is going to announce something like this in the future um that's what you know the the report says and everything um I mean, when they're going to to announce it, I don't know. And, you know, if it's going to be successful, I don't know. But if this takes off, then I think this is a big step towards a, a shift, you know, a big shift occurring in the way that we, you know, get stuff in, in you know, get hardware and, and, and things of that nature in gaming. Um, and I mean, if this is successful, then, I mean, Sony is probably going to want to look into this too, especially with, you know, they've got PlayStation now, which... Uh, I mean, I don't know how successful that is, but you know, um, they've got these different little sub services that they want to push too. So there's, there's certain things that they could do as well. Yeah. I think, I think, I think, um, I think, I think that you both made uh, great points. We'll just have to see what, what ultimately happens with this this thing? I, I do believe it is it is an interesting thing to try it out. I, I'm I'm curious to see the response because I feel like when you see the response, then you'll know whether or not this is something that people are going to start doing regularly. Uh, I do think if it is successful, I, I could definitely see Sony doing that because again, PlayStation Now. I I, I like I, I do agree with JJ uh, to an extent that I mean I like that you will have the option of different things. You don't want to combine everything together because sometimes throughout the year, there are actually sales on stuff like PS Plus and stuff like that. So I, I you know, it, it, if somebody just was had already set in their mind that they want to just pick up the next box, they want to pick up this bundle, that's fine. But I, I understand the need to pay for things a la carte because some stuff you can probably still get discounts on now. I know GameStop actually had have a promotion going on now where if you trade in your old Xbox for an Xbox One X, you'll get $200. So that is significantly less than if you spent all that money over time for that Xbox One, the package, stuff like that. So we have to wait and see what the response is to this type of thing. And then, of course, when Microsoft makes the announcement, the thing that I will add that I think is interesting about this announcement is that they say it's a two-year contract. In my mind, I I thought to myself, well, this is pretty much sort of revealing when you might see the next Xbox. Because Apple does this all the time with the phones, except for they release one every year. But the 
they they have like a little a, a model in the middle, sort of like the Xbox One X. But then they have the other major model two years later. So I think essentially, if they do announce this, because it is supposed to happen next week, that may be a sign as to when you will hear about the next Xbox. Will you actually see it? Like, I mean, we're going to obviously get the reveal before then, but I mean, see it in stores within the next two years. But we'll have to see because I could be off on that completely. Um, but either way, uh, very curious to hear what people think about this particular topic, whether or not they think that this is a good decision by Microsoft or they don't like it. So hopefully, definitely, if you, for those that are watching or listening, feel free to leave your comments. And let us know what you think about the topic. But uh, any other thoughts on this particular discussion before we wrap up the show? I'm good. I just want to say uh, I find it interesting that, you know, throughout the early 90s, uh, late 80s, everyone was saying Apple was copying Microsoft, like, you know, with, with the computers and everything. And now, you know, things come full circle. Now Microsoft is kind of, you know, they're, they're kind of copying Apple swag a little bit with, with this whole model. So I just want to point that out. Well, and, I, and, 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 to add, and to end off that, I would, I would add that Microsoft... It, they, you, you can say that they're copying uh, Apple, but in my opinion, Microsoft does a lot of things better than Apple right now. In terms of their computers, in terms of their tablets, they are blowing Apple out the water. So Apple need to go back to the drawing board. That's for certain. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I believe that concludes our show for today. Um, do you guys have any final shout-outs that you want to give? I want to go to you first, uh, uh, just shout out to everybody that's been checking out all the reviews that have been going up lately. All the op-eds. I know I've been posting up a lot of op-eds lately of different stuff that I've been writing. And thank you guys for at least checking it out, sharing it around, you know, leaving some comments when you can. I appreciate it. Always, obviously, everybody checking out the show right now in the chat, as well as everybody else that checks it out later on, you know, the archives and stuff. We really appreciate that. Uh, and just shout out to everybody else who was uh, heading over to Gamescom, because I know it's probably not easy to go out there halfway across the world, you know, to go cover a big show like that. You know, knowing what I know from having covered E3, I can only imagine what it's like being in a foreign country to, to do something like that as well. So big shout out to everybody that's going on that big trip and then hopefully having a good time as well. But anyway, appreciate all the love and support, guys. Absolutely. Yes. And I want to give a shout out to the people, the fans continuing to support these podcasts as well as the content on the website. Uh, we definitely appreciate all of your support. Uh, for those of you that are going to PAX West next week, um, I just want to say right now, there's a lot of major stuff that's going to get announced. Um, I will speak about this stuff next week because I do know some stuff, but I can't say anything. But I, I would just say definitely pay attention to the internet early next week. That's all I'm, I'm going to say. But if you're going to PAX West, you'll have an awesome time. There's going to be a ton of games there that you want to get your hands on. Definitely do so. Um, and as for what we're working on, we have uh, quite a bit of things coming next week. As I already mentioned earlier in this show, Strange Brigade review is coming from me. I know JJ is working on several different reviews. We have a lot of things coming. September is a very big month for us as well. A lot of things coming back on TV, so on and so forth. So stay tuned for all of that because... We're gearing for the getting ready. We're getting ready for that now. But uh, until then, I appreciate. Thank you all for continually, continually supporting us. Um, and I hope you all have a great weekend. 
uh, and Gary, the floor is now yours for uh, shout outs. Yep. So as usual, I want to give a big shout out to all of our Patreon supporters, M. Collins, Mauricio Aguilar, Himdil, Fergus Mills, Miguel, and Antonio Rogers. Uh, big shouts to all of those guys, and we we thank you all for your continued support. And shouts to Big Daddy who joined us in the chat today as well. And um, shouts to everyone who's going to listen to to the show after you know the live broadcast and everything. Uh, definitely leave your comments because we want to know what you guys think of some of these topics. And that's about it. Absolutely. So once again, thank you all for your continued support. And we will talk to you all next week.